My name is Matt Brown. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. And let's start the show. We shall seek new friendships, but we shall not do so by breaking our word or casting aside old friends and allies. My name is Matt Brown, and this is the Productive Conversations Podcast. How are we doing? Whenever and wherever you are, I hope you're enjoying this podcast. I hope you're safe. I hope you're happy, and that your friends, family, and pets are safe and happy. If you're listening to this the day it drops, Monday, November 2nd, 2020, you know that tomorrow is November 3rd, and that is Election Day, the 2020 presidential election. And we know we have other elections we have some local elections and voting for senate voting for house of reps and things are going crazy and whether you like politics or not or you don't give a fuck tomorrow is a very very important day for our future and that is a portion of what we're talking about today so this podcast is my first podcast with two people on it. First, I talked with Kevin Schaefer, and he told me about what it's like being a college student, what it's like being a college student in 2020 and in this pandemic. We talked some New York sports. We talked about fraternities life, and we talked about the obstacles that he's faced and uh, overcome. We also talked about what it's like being a young Republican in 2020 and being in his world being a Republican. And he made his points about President Trump, and we talked about why he should get elected and his views. And after my great conversation with Kevin, I thought it was fair to hear someone on the other side, someone who is a Biden supporter, somebody who is going blue. And going through a few people and talking, I figured why not have one of the best political minds I know who has a great hat on his shoulders, and I asked my buddy Ryan Page, my co-host of the Tweet Cap, that you can also find every Monday, sorry, every Friday on all podcasting platforms, especially Apple and Spotify. And I wanted him to give his perspective on the election being a Biden supporter. Now, the podcast isn't necessarily all about politics. We're featuring Kevin Schaefer today, a really great, guy and I'm excited to see where he goes in his future I just figured with the day before the election and we talked about his Republican views I think it's fair to give the Democrats a fair shot as well in a podcast such as this one on the eve of the most historic election of all time so that's why I brought Brian on at the end of this podcast and he will be right after Kevin but We're going to start now talking with Kevin Schaefer. And as I said, beyond politics, we just talked about a lot of other stuff in this world. Sports, college, relationships, relationships with all types of people. And I was very, very happy with how it went. And even though we had various technical difficulties over Zoom, he had a lot of good things to say. 
and he made some good points about his political views. And then I just had Ryan come in and give his views who and they both support different sides. And like I said, this podcast is for everyone, no matter who you're politically affiliated with or believe in. This is for everyone. I just figured it's fair to use this platform to hear both sides of the coin the day before the election. So with that, let's start with Kevin. And then after that, we'll end it with Ryan. So Kevin Schaefer, again, senior at the University of Hartford, going to go to law school after that. And again, I was just very, very happy with how Kevin was on this podcast. So here is my conversation with the Kevin Schaefer. All right, everybody, we have a treat here. This is the Productive Conversations podcast, and my guest this afternoon on a beautiful fall day, I have the Kevin Schaefer hailing from, well, you're from Watertown, New York, right? Upstate New York? The area, yeah, around there. That area, and now he's a senior at the University of Hartford and has quite the future ahead, and I'm really excited to chat chop it up learn more about you most importantly have the audience learn more about you and the cool and what makes you you how are you doing today kevin i'm good i'm i'm excited to be here oh man i'm excited to have you here so as you mentioned you are a senior in college or you are a senior at the university of hartford what's your major what are you studying uh i'm a politics and criminal justice dual major with dual minors in history and sociology Excellent. May I ask, that's quite the workload, but quite a leading a sophisticated future. Why, why such a very dense degree once you're going to get it this spring, I assume? Um, it kind of it gives me options. I mean, I can go to law school and work from there. I can enter the workforce directly as you know, a law enforcement officer, um, a political consultant, work on campaigns. So it gives me options in where I want to go with my future. Yeah, you're leaning towards any of the things that I love. Most importantly, um, is there anything you're leaning towards at this moment? I know there's still lots of time to think about it. Definitely don't don't think about it too hard with your final with your final two semesters. But is there anything or you're still you're still uh, seeing where your options go? It looks like law school. Law school is pretty much the next step at this point. Excellent. And you plan to go right away? Yes. Love it. I love it. And uh, is there, may we ask, do you know what you're looking at for law schools? Um, I want to go to law school for constitutional law, uh, get a better understanding of the Constitution, and then uh, eventually work with PACs and things like that to defend people's constitutional rights, uh, mostly from the conservative side, um, mm-hmm. as you would know. Um, so I'm looking at more conservative Christian Catholic uh, universities that have a good constitutional law program. Excellent. So something like a Liberty University. uh, George Mason. George Mason. Awesome. Awesome. And... Excellent. Well, I definitely know we, you have my support the whole way. I'm definitely proud of what you're doing. And you mentioned something. You would say you definitely identify as more of a conservative, right-leaning type of person uh, in your political ideologies. Sweet. And you're living... And you're at the University of Hartford in a very blue state, Connecticut, and from, and you're yes. from the blue state of New York. And I'm sure right now, it's 
even though as a proud conservative, it must be sometimes difficult to express those views, especially in the climate we're in nowadays. How do you manage to to really express yourself conservatively despite being in a very liberal area and also just it's hard it's not it we've seen a lot of conservatives have a hard time expressing their opinion without criticism towards it how do you how do you manage that especially at your age well uh i find that a lot of young conservatives especially my age uh tend to hide their opinions and things like that for fear of backlash um Luckily, I'm not one of them. Uh, <laughs> I really don't care what people think about my views and things like that. I, I have my views and I love to listen to other people's views and I love to see things from a new perspective. And uh, for the most part, especially in my politics classes, um, even the, the students and professors are very professional, um, very willing to listen to my beliefs. They usually don't agree, but um, they're willing to listen. We usually have a really good debate. I find that it comes in classes that uh, have nothing to do with my a politics major those are the ones where the professors and students are very hostile yeah uh, and that that's the that's funny to me because that i thought it'd be the opposite i thought i'd i'd be in you know classes like intro to film and and things like that and mm-hmm. i wouldn't have to talk about politics and then i figured once i got into my politics classes that's where i'd get the backlash and it's the complete opposite i actually uh i dropped a class my I want to say sophomore year because it was intro to film. And in the first 20 minutes of class, the uh, professor had bashed Trump 15 times, I think. And, uh, and I was like, I'm here to learn about intro to film, not, not talk about politics. I do that with the rest of my day. Yeah. Right. I, it, it must be, it must be, especially for someone who is very confident in spreading it must be insanely difficult I mean, maybe it's difficult to some. It seems it may not be so difficult for you, but always being told you shouldn't be looked at, you shouldn't have this view, you're an asshole, you're an idiot. Um, I'm sure from various things people have told you, is that something you just brushed off your shoulder and, you know, definitely express it, you know, say your side of the story as well? If uh, it, it gets hard sometimes because, you know, I'll find that, you know, I don't, I don't come out and introduce myself. Hi, I'm Kevin, the conservative. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, I talk to people, I'm a huge people person. So I, I make friends really easily and then it'll come out, you know, a few months down the road or something. They'll have a political conversation with me and find out I'm a conservative and that, um, I, you know, I'm supporting Trump in this election. And uh, for some reason, all of a sudden, I'm the worst human being on earth. Uh, you know, for two or three months, we're great friends. They love me. I'm a great guy. And then once they find that out, I'm, I'm the devil. I'm the worst human being on earth. And uh, that, that's hard sometimes, especially with, um, you know, young women is, is the worst. Um, yeah. you know, they'll talk to a girl for a while. They'll find out I'm a conservative and all that, you know, they'll tell me I'm the nicest guy they've ever met. And then all of a sudden I'm this horrible human being because I'm a conservative. And the last two months didn't count because they didn't know. Really? So it really does affect dating life, especially in this time right now, huh? I would say dating life more than more than friendships because I find that uh, friendships, I'm able to overcome it more. But uh, in dating life, it's it's a little harder. Do you have anything to say to those people who will quickly judge you for being a conservative like that? 
Um, being conservative doesn't make me a racist. It doesn't make me a homophobe and it doesn't make me a sexist. Um, it just means that I, I believe in an America first stance. I believe that America is the greatest country to ever grace the face of the earth. Um, I have a certain economic belief and I have certain social beliefs and that's what that means. It doesn't make me a horrible person. It just, uh, it's what I believe in. Definitely. And I agree that too. And that's one of the reasons why, I mean, def- I just always have great combos in our group chats with you, but I especially wanted to give you a chance on this platform to show that, Hey, even though I don't, I don't really agree with some ideologies or a president right now, but I can still have a civil conversation. I do want to hear the other side. And even that's happened to me being a true moderate down the middle independent. I, I don't know. I told the story to you in the chat, but I don't know if I said on the podcast, but long story short, just in case I did, I was on hinge. I'm listed as a moderate and I got questioned about it saying, Oh, are you this? Do you support a racist president? Are you doing this? No, I just legitimately want to hear both sides. I, we can't have a totally America is based on so many different ideologies. So we have to hear both sides of it, whether you're for small government, big government, whatever it is, we have to come together to see what's right, especially the circumstances of the time. And that's why I really want to give you the chance to express that. And this is the chance to show that conservative men and women are awesome people. They're cool. They just look at things differently, but they're not, evil as you said like that's not fair you get called evil for something like that actually um to your point about being a moderate a lot like john roberts i find that sometimes from the right i even get backlash because i'm a little too moderate um oh yeah i'm I'm definitely a conservative but there are some things that i'm willing to budge on because i think in politics there has to be compromise and without compromise you're not going to get anything done so there are things as a conservative that i'm willing to budge on there are things where i'm not moving an inch exactly and that's what that's where i would probably stand on my moderatism i don't really i guess you would say i lean toward the left on my moderate side but there are conservative values that i do um listen and pay attention to especially uh when it comes to fiscally and capitalism i really believe (laughs) you have the chance if you can work hard and i know so many people in this game of capitalism are at all different starting points and it really not to have any politics aside with my answer here because my reason why is not political it's only for the sense of hard work and doing what you can do in this world and i really don't say that answer with any political ideology to it it's just the idea it's just the ideology of being a hard worker and i guess for some reason that is is more of a conservative value, but most importantly, it's my value. I believe you could work hard. That's why I did this podcast in the first place because I wanted to do something with the little money I was able to get in this pandemic, still trying to find work. And yeah, I believe, I just believe if you work hard and despite where you are in your starting point that you can accomplish any, you accomplish anything. You might not always get what you want, but if you work hard and you're kind, good things will happen.
uh, I think that's what makes this country so great is uh, that you can work from the bottom up. You know, you can come from a family that didn't have much and uh, become a millionaire, become a politician. And uh, it really is the only place in the world that you could do things like that. Exactly. And this after this episode airs, the audience will have seen Bladar's episode, who's a refugee from from leaving from Albania to Greece to the United States, and he's an American citizen now. And what he had to do to leave a war-torn country and, you know, has everything pushed against him, and he didn't complain. And now he's an American citizen, riding his BMW, and that's the most humble guy. And a reason, that's the reason why I have him on. And also that week we had the drag queens, Jada and Lily and you know there's so many countries if they did that they would just be <laughs> and our country allows them to express themselves like that absolutely and that's what really this podcast is for just to express everyone from every background and I appreciate you sharing that and I really hope somebody can have the patience especially once this election ends that they can start restart and hopefully I know it's not going to happen overnight but it's time to really hear other people out and not jump to conclusions. Well, I mean, uh, you, you look at uh, the Senate hearings. Um, one of the one of the best things I've seen in politics in a very long time. Everyone was respectful, especially to Amy Coney Barrett. They were very respectful to her. Um, and at the end, uh, Senator Feinstein and Senator Graham, two fierce adversaries, um, hugged each other. And they both received backlash from their side of the aisle for showing affection to someone on the other side of the aisle. And it, it shouldn't be like that. That's not politics. And uh, that's just hate. And there should be less hate. Right. And it's just we've really lately, especially, I think, over the last few years, especially in the Trump administration, is that a lot of emotions have been taken over instead of logic. So... Uh, I think a lot of people's decisions and there have been a lot of horrible things that can, that it's fair to say emotions riding high, especially when we see a lot of social justice issues this summer. And like, it's, it's the fact of it is, you have the right to feel the way you feel and express the way you feel. We also just need to have the patience at the end of the day too. So we don't say something rash and something dumb. And, um, you know, no matter who says what and cannot and speaking of what people's rhetoric and saying you, is it fair to say you are a fan of the president of the united states donald trump uh, we talk about rhetorics and we talk about um what people say at the time I, I think it's fair to say that president donald trump has said a lot of controversial stance whether twitter or verbally and that has his words have upset people and some of his words have um, encourage people and people like what he says now is, is it fair for me to ask are you a fan of the president uh, I, it's, it's fair to ask him but I, I wouldn't answer yes um, exactly uh, in 2016 I was a Ted Cruz supporter um, mm -hmm. in the primary um, and then once Trump won the general, uh, the um, primary um, I took a long hard look at because I, I'm not afraid to vote Democrat if I have to I vote based on policy um, not personality, not whether you're Republican or Democrat on your policy. For sure. And um, to me, um, Trump was the uh, 
better of two evils between him and Hillary Clinton, um, in my opinion. And uh, I look at it the same way this year, um, that I'd rather have him than Joe Biden. Um, I don't exactly agree with everything the president says and does. Um, some of his policy is phenomenal. And I think a lot of his policy and the things that he does are overshadowed by sometimes the ridiculous outlandish things he says on Twitter and, and says. Yeah. And um, I think if he acted a little more presidential sometimes, people would – see the good things that he does, you know, uh, negotiating a peace deal in the Middle East, something that hasn't been done since, since Egypt, Egypt and Israel. Yeah. Um, uh, give him credit for that. Yeah. Well, one of the, one of the best economies this nation has, has ever seen. Um, he's lowered drug prices and, and things like that. And those are the good things that he does that are overshadowed a lot by the stupid things he sometimes says. Mm-hmm. So it's fair to say also that you agree that he does wild out <laughs> for yes, uh, 100%. 100%. And what, and it's it's hard especially with how the media presents the president. You know, they they aren't saying what you're saying thing. I mean, they'll report it for they don't have to report it as heavily as him saying, you know, referring countries as shithole countries, certain ones or yeah. um saying corona is the chinese virus and all those offensive words but you are able to you're able to not be easily offended by that and it seems that a lot of people are um i i think because one of my things is i i look less than at who the person is obviously characters the huge things the president in the states but i look a lot at policy for the most part um i put on policy not personality um trump's personality is probably not my favorite thing on earth but um his policy is something that i really agree with um so and and joe biden is is not not there for me yet um Mm -hmm. I just think he's he's too hard of a stance on our on our fracking, our oil, our coal. Um, I think his tax plan is 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 a little outlandish, and um, I'm worried about his socialistic tendencies and whether or not he'll be controlled by the socialistic left. So those are some things that worry me about Joe Biden. Yeah, definitely fair fair things to point out, and you know one thing that you said that really stuck with me is that you actually read the policies being offered. It's not, we could say that the mainstream media isn't exactly pointing out those policies in full that have been passed with the exception, I guess with checking fact checking and debates for stuff. So you actually can vouch for what he's Jenny saying and not the, the uh, dumb tweets and offensive words. Well, well, so what I like to do is I like to watch CNN and Fox News because CNN tells you everything Trump is doing wrong and everything Biden is doing right. And Fox News tells you everything Trump is doing right and everything Biden is doing wrong. So when you watch them both, you get the full picture. Um, You know, because CNN will tell you how great Joe Biden's doing and everything but they won't show you the ridiculous outlandish things that he says. Whereas Fox news will show you the good things that Trump's doing, but not show you the outlandish things that he says. So, you know what, when I watch Fox news, it's an hour of praising Trump and 
showing Biden bloopers. And when you watch CNN, it's an hour of praising Biden and Trump bloopers. And uh, media really shouldn't be like that. The, the media is there to tell the news. And uh, I don't think we've had right, someone actually to. tell the news. It's supposed to, sorry. Yeah, I don't yeah. think we've had anyone really tell the news since Cronkite. Um, oh, yeah. Honestly. I don't think we've had a real, you know, news media presence since Cronkite. Yeah, it is a ratings battle. They are, you know, you can manipulate headlines in words that you're doing the bare minimum of reporting something, but also now figuring out ways to give your, to adhere to your demo. And yeah, it's just so divisive and it's tough. And yeah, like, so you would say to some people who really, really hate an angered Trump, like, and I've talked with people in the podcast and I've said my things and why I disagree with the president. What would, so is there anything you would say, especially maybe some concerned communities, like, you know, we've had to see the Muslim band or the LGBTQ community who have really been hurt by what some of Trump's actions, what would you say to those communities and other ones who have had a hard time, especially, you know, lots of Latinos too? Um, well, first thing I'd have to say is I'm, I'm sorry for his mouth. Um, and I, I get that. That's the big thing that offends people a lot. But uh, actually, Donald Trump is the only presidential candidate in American history to run on a pro-gay marriage platform. In 2000, both 2008 and 2012, Barack Obama and Joe Biden said that marriage is between a man and a woman while they were running. Obviously, their policy and their rhetoric after did not reflect that, but they ran on that because that's what they knew would get them elected. Um, and I think Trump says uh, a lot of stupid things, but I also think he's very calculated in what he says. Um, but I, I do, I, I think that he's, in all, all honesty, an asshole sometimes. Mm. But I think that's uh, the reason that he got elected, because he wasn't a politician. You know, politicians will get up there and lie to you and tell you what you want to hear. And he gets up there and says what he thinks and feels. Um, he's also, he's uh, under Donald Trump, we've had the lowest African-American and Latino unemployment in American history, uh, which is surprises a lot of people uh, because they think that he, he doesn't do anything for the, those communities. And he does um, obviously what he says sometimes can be offensive and, and taken in sometimes the wrong way. And I apologize for that. But, but when you actually look at the policies and things that he does, it helps everyone. It doesn't just help one community or, and hurt another. It, it helps every community. Yeah. There's some powerful stuff saying that. And, uh, we can agree that the common denominator at the end of the day is Trump's mouth, both verbally and on Twitter. And he might, it it, it might be, there might be a fact to say that he's done too much damage for a lot of people to forgive him. Of course, there are some who are willing to hear sides, but there are, like I said, those communities I mentioned and others who, there's nothing else he can do. He can, I always joked, I've said, you know, Trump can, can save a person fault running out of a burning building and he catches him and he, and people will still figure out a way to bash him. So I, I, if you know what I will say, I, I will say I'm voting for Biden. I will not, I will not be devastated and 
feel hopeless if Trump is reelected. I think my personal belief is especially a morale change and it may be the loudest voice for that morale, which is one of the reasons why I'm voting for Biden. But I also understand that, and like you, that Trump really isn't the devil, as other people say. And like, my parents have had their best years financially during the Trump administration. Uh, my parents did battle unemployment. And he and my parents have been doing well in the Trump administration. And to be fair, and despite both of them not liking him, they can also admit that, too. So it's just at the end of the day, it really is with at the end of the day with Trump, it's all on his his mouth. That is the big enemy at the end of the day. And um, I, I actually I agree with that. And I also have to say that coming from perspective of the right, that's how we also feel about Joe Biden. Um, you know, I, cause I, I don't know if you've heard some of these quotes, but, uh, quotes by Joe Biden, if you don't know whether you're for me or Trump, you ain't black. Um, unlike the African American community, the Latino community is very diverse. Um, you know, walking up onto stage and playing 10 seconds of Despacito, <laughs> it's things like that, that kind of alienate the right. And, uh, you know, I, I know people who are the same. If Joe Biden ran out and, you know, caught a, someone jumping off a building, they still wouldn't vote for him. So I, I completely understand your sentiment about Trump because a lot of people on the right feel that way about Biden. Yeah. And it, it may be the way I'm viewing it, especially my vote. It might be just a the casualty of the game of how the election is. And though you know also diving into the policies that our candidates have and what where i'm at in my life as well especially paying attention more you know i'm about to i need to be on my own for healthcare in a few weeks in a few months i have student loan issues um, yeah there well they, they are issues um i have student loans i'm unemployed i i i have a lot to pay attention for and and i'm just really that's right. My biggest issues, um, my ways to see, and you know, Trump really has helped with the loans, especially the private loans are student loans are the real killer. I, these loan providers, they don't care if you have to be a hitman or a drug dealer, you better pay them. They've been more lenient yeah. because of COVID, but you know, I don't really have to worry about my government loans because of the, the what the president passed during COVID. And I just need help with those loans. Also finding work again. And, the way I'm in a very specific industry with production. So I'm just waiting for a vaccine. Cause that's when I'm going to more like yeah, productions, production's going to be hard without, uh, without the eradication of COVID. I, I can imagine. Oh yeah. And I just know that I have a strong resume to get considered. And once a, a hiring manager, in my industry sees, I will be a strong candidate. So I'm not worried about that. I'm just worried about, um, making loans are the killers and the loans are the killers to me i will find a job again i have the resume i'm doing this i'm doing stuff i would do at work to make this podcast possible especially editing audio and video and i know how to write so i know i'm gonna get there i'm just waiting for that vaccine to make everyone feel more comfortable and uh absolutely back into the game but um it's quite a time and listen it is it's definitely a crazy time so uh, when it comes to the election, at the end of the day, I'm going to be okay. I'll be able to sleep. I will be able to sleep either or. I know hundreds of thousands of people won't, but 
It's going to be all right. For the most part, I, I feel like I'll be able to sleep pretty well either or. Um, I I hope Joe Biden doesn't succumb to the, the radical socialist part of his party. And I, I hope he, he governs the way that he has for the last 47 years. If he does that, I, I won't be too upset. Yeah, definitely agree. And uh, we can also, as we said we agreed it we definitely proven though we look at things differently on a political spectrum we can have excuse me we can have a genuine conversation like this absolutely uh do you want to talk new york sports since uh yeah yeah that's exactly that's exactly (laughs) a perfect transition let's get away from the politics let's talk let's just talk about some fun stuff so yes New York sports, the state of New York sports. Where do we start? Uh, by time of this recording, the Giants had a, had a, a loss that really hit me as a big Giants fan. You're a Jet fan. We could start. So we'll start with the football. Um, it's it's it was it was a hard pill to swallow that one because one we could finally we haven't been in the Eagles since 2013. Wow. We we I guess we have we do have another chance at the end of the season, but for what at this point? It in a horrible. I, I would You're only a game and a half behind at at, at one and six. Yeah. I mean, there's <laughs> there's plenty of room to you could make you could win the division at like four and twelve at this point. It really is amazing, and we just need <laughs> Dallas to lose this week to assure that, so we could stay in the race, and we only need Washington. But it's just that. You're definitely right, and I did a rant on my Instagram today, and, you know, my good friend said, you know, trust the process. I said, yes, at the end of the day, it's serious to trust the process, but when you have seen what this – when you've seen what the Giants have – the way the Giants have been losing games, playing really hard – like the difference between your Jets and my Giants is the Giants do play hard and are in the games – they, they, they look just, competitive. <laughs> and they just figure out how to lose while, with all due respect, your Jets, um, <laughs> they look like they don't want to play. They're just getting blown out on blown out. And I, it's just, after watching that Giants game, it's like, are we really are going to put up with this? It's, all, it's, just, it's not even November yet. Is this the way it's going to go? I mean, is Daniel Jones, I, when, when you see Daniel Jones make an 80-yard run and trip, and even Patrick Mahomes himself said that would be hard for him to do, but he had so you just you just it's just it's just a uh, it's just a ongoing heartbreaking. And our biggest problem was offensive line, and it still doesn't seem fixed. And I I feel so bad for Dave Gettleman. He he thought he was picking who would be the best offensive tackle in the draft. And so far it has not looked that way. No, um, you know, like we were talking about the, the, some of the, the offensive line available at the time. And we chose Andrew Thomas from Ohio state and he got, I mean, he got benched last week and then just played horrible again, just letting anybody slip through to get to the quarterback. And it's just, I don't know. Meanwhile, it looks like my Jets found their franchise guy at that spot. Yeah. <laughs> six Becton six, is going 360 in, 360-pound Mackay Becton. <laughs> See, I'm happy for you guys. He seems like the only one. I, it's, he, he's played well. Um, he's actually the – he was going into – before he got hurt, was the highest-graded rookie in the NFL. Pure, pure rookie. 
Yeah, yeah, he's just uh, he, just an absolute animal. I mean, when you're when you're that big, it's it's kind of hard to not be that good. But yeah, you know, as a former offensive lineman, you know, a former um, D1 prospect, you know, watching his technique, it's flawless. A lot of people were worried about that, where he was he was very raw coming out of college, and that's the only thing so far the Jets coaching staff has gotten right is Makai Becton. They they were able to get him some some good technique, and and he looks good now. Oh yeah, and um. It's we have a very unique situation. It's week seven. We still got ten weeks to go. Oh wait, no, we got eleven weeks to go. Is it? Or, yes. Or is it, so um, now it's seventeen eight. weeks, and each team gets a bye. Yeah. So uh, wait the the extra game starts next season. Sorry, the extra week. I was yes. confused. So yes, we still have ten weeks to go, and next year they're doing they're adding a, set, a another game, and yeah. but they're all adding a playoff team this season. Yes. So another wild card. But anyways, we're really battling out to see who can be get that first pick and who could get Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I personally want that. I really don't. I think I've been trying to defend Daniel Jones for the last year. And after last night and just his butterfingers fumbling the ball, I'm just like, you know, uh, what else do we have to lose if we have to restart again? But we have a brand new coaching staff and personnel, and Jason Garrett has been so far a pretty good offensive coordinator. He'll, he'll be a head coach next year. Yeah, he's going somewhere again. So, and I talked with Teddy. Jason Garrett's a good NFL coach. He just can't win in the playoffs. He even wins divisions, and he just had tough losses against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Tough losses against uh, the Falcons. When they the only time they were good, <laughs> and those are those are hard hard teams to beat. You look at the talent on those teams, and obviously Dallas had a lot of talent. But you know those are, you know Matt Ryan, in my opinion, is a Hall of Fame quarterback. I mean, yeah, he has the resume. He absolutely has the resume. He doesn't have the Super Bowl rings, but rings don't define the career um, because it takes a full team to win a championship. Easily. and and Rodgers, Rodgers is easily. You know, if he play the way, if he keeps playing the way he's playing right now and has for most of his career for the next four or five years, he's easily, in my opinion, one of the greatest to ever do it. So those are those are losses that you can expect. Yeah, at that time, and you know, when it was tough when he had the ta- he had the tail end of Romo, not able to get that. Uh, you know, Dak playing an Ironman until this year, and it's just sometimes, especially in football lately, the ball rolls a certain way for you and it didn't for Dallas really hasn't for the Giants this year but back to what I was saying before do you want to tank for two for tank for Trevor Lawrence um because I do I'll say this I think Trevor Lawrence is a can't miss generational prospect and if the Jets get the number one overall pick they should take him do I think it's time to end Sam Donald's career in New York no shot I think Sam Darnold has a ceiling of Aaron Rodgers, a guy we were just talking about. Um, he has the athletic mobility even more so than Rodgers. He can get out of the pocket, and that's where he excels, like Rodgers, is making plays outside the pocket. Um, I just think he hasn't been surrounded by a cast that can help him compete. Uh, so I, I, I think Sam Darnold's going to go somewhere. In my opinion, I think he's going to go to Pittsburgh. I think that's the perfect ideal mm-hmm. spot for him. It's a good pick. It's, it's a, a good place. A team, team that's built to win now. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster and him played in college. So they already have chemistry. Yep. 
Um, Mike Tomlin, in my opinion, is one of the greatest coaches of all time. Uh, just a really good team there. And I think he can go there and win now. And I think that's where he'll end up. I think he'll end up in Pittsburgh if the Jets get the first overall pick. Um, if I was a GM, I'm trading that pick. I'm holding some team ransom like, uh, you know, Las Vegas might be looking at a quarterback this year. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, another team that, that might have some first-round picks this year. Hold them ransom for that pick and build around Sam Darnold because personally I'm not ready to give up on Sam Darnold. But Trevor Lawrence is kind of hard. It's, it's, it's like saying I have uh, like I have Matt Ryan on my team right now, but Peyton Manning is going to be the first pick in the draft and I have the first mm-hmm. pick. Who are you taking? It's, it's almost a no-brainer you're taking Peyton Manning. And that's like this, you know, that's the huge difference between my quarterback or my favorite team's quarterback and your favorite team's quarterback is the fact that Daniel Jones – though he can run with the ball except when he trips that really is his only pro pro you we've seen some interceptions where he literally looks like he's throwing to a ghost like throwing an interception that ends on last week against uh against Washington even though we barely won uh some stupid pet I know I know he had a couple of uh bad breaks with Ingram not catching the ball that led to another pick but we all know he's just he's it's a it's like I feel like I'm his mom watching this guy get, um, just with I just get I'm a nervous wreck with how easily he turnovers the ball and he's played around a full year of the NFL football so far and again also it's fair to say the offensive line's horrible because even if you had Jerry even if you had Joe Montana they would he he wouldn't last with that line so. I just, I'd be more confident if I was a Jeff Famous Darnold, and and that's why, um, especially this upcoming draft is very, it's also a very receiver heavy draft with a lot of uh, good receivers coming out, and that's why it'd be cool if you guys, if you wanted to take that route. But um, what's going on, man? Hey, Rick. Hello, Cameron. Yeah, it's a podcast. Word. Exactly, bro. What's going on? I'm Matt. I mean, we've met before. Have you been? He's here. Hold on. I'll. There you go. Now, now, now we can hear you. What's going what on, up? Brody? Have you been? Helen. How's How the doing? house going? I'm great, man. We're just talking. We're just talking New York sports. Then I definitely want to talk about how fraternity's doing. And uh, we're just having some fun. How you been? I've been chilling, dog. The house is dirty as hell, always, you know. That's I know exactly house. what you mean. Only one word, dirty. That's all I can, all I can describe. For sure. Is there anything you want to plug besides your name saying since, uh, so for our audience oh, here? The podcast? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm still, yo. Hi, my name's Rick. Uh, <laughs> thank you for having me on your podcast. Of course, Rick. Thanks for joining us. Are you too pissed at New York football? I don't. I don't watch. He's not a football guy. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> All right, I definitely would talk. Love to talk about that. But yeah, as we were saying, it says Daniel Jones just being so. I just I can't take I it. Think, How do you feel? Do you do you feel? Do you think I'm bugging with him? Do you think? Uh, no, I, I I definitely don't. I think uh, when you look at, at the two teams, Daniel Jones has weapons. He has Evan Ingram, yeah. phenomenal tight end. As um, long as he Darius the ball. Layton. 
Yep. Yeah, Darius Slayton. Um, Shepard's good. Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, Saquon Barkley. He has the weapons to be successful. And uh, he hasn't shown me those flashes, those glimpses yet. And when you look at Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold right now, in, in his last game, his number one receiver was Braxton Berrios. <laughs> Who's that? Who's Braxton Berrios? And, and Jeff Smith. And, you know, and, and he still finds a way to look good, to show, to have some flashy plays with people, most NFL, if you're not a Jets fan, you haven't heard of them. So I, I think that's what gives me a little more hope in Sam Darnold than Jones is that he's able to show those flashes with no talent around him. You know, I, I think if you give him the talent Daniel Jones has, even with the bad offensive line play, Darnold's numbers look a lot different. Uh, you know, just competent receivers is is what he needs and a better O-line. And I think he's, you know, Pro Bowl quarterback. I, I'm not sure he'll he'll ever amount to, you know, being one of the greatest of all times. But I think he's a steady quarterback in this league if he gets a competent organization and talent around him. And if he can at least, he can at least get his team to the playoffs, which is the Jets haven't been in the playoffs in 10 years. 2010 was the last time the Jets were played. Giants have been four years, even though it takes forever, but it's been a long time coming. That's not normal for an NFL team to take that long because of how open the, the schedule is. It's, I do feel for you guys. I really do. I mean, I I could be a Lions fan or or you know a, a Browns fan. So <laughs> I mean, fair enough too. But they're just. <laughs> uh, I just I you know I I I look at this and I hope that our general manager has a plan. I I I, so you like I Joe pray every day that I do like Joe Douglas. Uh, just for a second, the audio, can you just in and out with the audio? Probably just take the like in and out. Hey, what's up? There we go. Um, right, you were saying? Uh, I think he's, he's, an, he's a, a, a tremendous scout when it comes to the offensive line. Um, that's what he, you look at the Ravens. The Ravens found great value picks on the oh. offensive line during his time in that organization. And that's all accredited to him. You know, you look at, um, he's the guy who basically helped make the decision to pull the trigger on Ronnie Stanley. One of the greatest, you know, one of the best left tackles in the league right now. Orlando Brown, a third, a third rounder out of Oklahoma that no one really heard about. He, he pulled the trigger on him. That's one of the most underrated aspects of that franchise is an amazing offensive line. Um, Marshall Yonda. You know, just great, great people who were who Joe Douglas helped find in, 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 you know, the later rounds. And I think that's some of the Jets need is his scouting when it comes to the offensive line. And it looks so far like it worked with Makai Becton. I mean, so far, it looks like he might be the best left tackle in the draft. So and Denzel Mins is coming is finally going to start. Is he is he starting this week? Um, I'm not sure he's going to play this week, but, but I know he's in reserve. Yes, he okay. returned to practice, and uh, there's some rumors coming out of practice that he's making some pretty insane catches, and he's been making some really, really crazy catches in uh, in practice this week. So I'm excited to see him because he's the he's the piece of the draft that we haven't seen yet, really. Um, <laughs> yeah, no one has. And he's he's what I want to see. He'll if he plays well, he'll give me some more faith in Joe Douglas. It's kind of funny because it seems that. The receivers from this draft class specifically really have been 
um, exceeding expectations, whether you're CD Lamb from Dallas, whether you're Chenault from um, Jacksonville. Uh, yeah, you think history could repeat itself for the Mims. Yeah. Even Ruggs from, from Vegas is playing a lot better than people expected him to. Um, but the thing is, with when you look at you know the receivers that are playing right now and how good they're playing, the rookies now, if Mims doesn't live up to expectations, that's a huge problem. It's going to look because bad on Douglas. Means that, that means Douglas picked the wrong one. You know, that means yeah, Douglas who was available, yeah. Yes. I mean, uh, so I think because, you know, he he actually traded back to get Mims, which was in my when I saw that move, I was probably one of one of the best moves I've ever seen by a GM. He we all knew he wanted Mims. That's who he wanted. And he actually traded back, you know, five or six picks, collected more picks and was still able to get Denzel Mims those few picks later. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I mean, that's I think that was masterful orchestration by him to to be able to get Mims and get some more picks out of it. So um, I just hope Mims lives up to expectations because if he does, uh, I have a lot of faith in Joe, Joe Douglas going forward. And if he doesn't, if he doesn't play as well as, you know, say LaVisca Chenault or uh, I, I won't say Claypool because Claypool is playing out of his mind, but you know, a yeah, he really stepped up out of nowhere against yeah. the Eagles it, two weeks ago. And now he's a uh, looking like a hot commodity. Uh, you know, a T Higgins or a uh, Michael Pittman Jr., someone like that. If he doesn't play up to those expectations, I'm going to be a little, a little less confident in Joe. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's everything's riding on the, and then you know, sticking to that about Joe making decisions, he looks like he's going to be making a very big decision soon with the head coaching situation. It looks like there's a strong, I'm. Mean, you know, reckon we've had owner Christopher Johnson given plenty of um, plenty of passes, but Adam Gase. So I I actually don't think that it's Joe Douglas's decision. I think it was up to Joe Douglas. Gase would be gone already. Um, no, not that I don't think he'll do it. I don't think it's up to Joe Douglas. The Jets have the weirdest power structure in in the NFL. Uh, usually it's, you know, the coach reports to the GM, GM reports to the owner. Instead, the coach and the GM both report directly to the owner. The GM is technically not the coach's boss in the Jets organization. So I, I don't think that Joe Douglas has the power to fire Gase. And uh, so I think that's where we're at right now. And, um, but before I say, do you think Gase should be fired? I think Gay should have been fired before this season. <laughs> okay. Uh, so having said that and explaining the power structure, it's up to Christopher Johnson ultimately to pull the trigger. Well, it depends. If uh, Trump doesn't get reelected, we'll get Woody Johnson back. Yeah. And, uh... He's, the ambassador. <laughs> He's ambassador for UK in his cabinet. Yeah. Um, so, no, but I, I, I do know. think it's up to – I think it's up to Christopher Johnson, uh, but I, I do think that he'll fire him at the end of the season. I think part of this is a um, a tank for Trevor kind of move because I think Gase has lost the locker room so badly 
that if he were to be fired, it would fire the players up and they'd go out and win a game and lose Trevor yeah. Lawrence. <laughs> so so I think I think that might be a worry on the organization's mind. Like, we'll just let him ride the season out, let him take us to an 0 16 year. We'll get our we'll get our QB in Trevor Lawrence and and then we'll give him the boot. Um, I think I think the Jets' next head coach, uh, honest prediction. Uh, I know who I want, but I think it's going to be Jason Garrett. I you really think, so. think Jason. I can almost get it's it's kind of a Jetsy move in my opinion. I think it's uh, <laughs> you know the Jets should be looking for someone like a Lincoln Riley or uh, uh, an Eric Bieniemy, uh, a young, talented offensive mind. And I think they go with the accomplished older coach who can't win in the playoffs. <laughs> I think that's I, – I just think it's a jetsy move to go with a guy like Garrett. Not that I would be upset because Garrett is a huge culture guy, and I think that's the most important thing for the Jets right now. And he's proven he could develop quarterbacks too. Which is oh, absolutely. Um, you know, Romo and Dak Prescott too, you know, who are these guys that he turned into, you know, Romo, I think a Hall of Fame quarterback in my opinion, and Dak who is was tearing up the league this year before before his injury. So I, I trust Jason Garrett with a quarterback. Um, I trust him with culture. I think he will start out as the Jets head coach. I don't think he'll last very long because I don't think he'll win in the playoffs. And then I think the Jets will get a young offensive mind after that. Um, we know that uh, usually in this era right now that NFL head coaches really only get two shots to make it. Uh, specifically, I'm in this era now. This would be his second job. and um, But we've seen plenty of coaches who didn't do well their first time around. Bill Belichick, for one, he was pretty he did not do well with the Browns. With the Browns did did not play well. Yeah, and changed the um, Patriots. And he's well, we know he's the goat. And uh, some other guys on the top of my head, we have um, Nick Saban. Nick, Nick Saban. Saban's a weird one for me for because college he's specifically he, in, in college. He's one of the greatest coaches of all time at the college level, and then he comes into the NFL and, and did not look good at all. No. I, Coach for the Dolphins and yeah. didn't did not work and he uh, goes from it was LSU Miami Bama right yeah so ooh and then you know we've also seen coaches who have not done well either time Rex Ryan uh, didn't do well. uh, I don't I don't know about I don't know about Rex I still think Rex is a good NFL head coach you think you think he would be a rare third time a charm I mean do you think would people give him the chance or um, I think he deserves. I mean, he took the New York Jets with Mark Sanchez at quarterback to two straight AFC Twice. Championship game. Twice in a row. And competitive um, in that second one, especially against the Steelers. Yes. It was tough he, he took the Bills. He took the Bills to the playoffs, a team that was not expected to do very well with Tyrod Taylor at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Took them to the playoffs. I think, Sammy Walker, I think he's a good head coach. I think because you look at his defenses, they're some of the greatest defenses to ever grace – an NFL field that Rex Ryan defenses. Oh yeah, especially when he was in the Ravens too when he was running. Oh yeah, over there. and and so I I think if you get him on a team like, you know, like a, a team like the, the Packers or something like mm-hmm. that, where he is an established quarterback, you know, a guy not a Tyrod Taylor, not a Mark Sanchez, not a Geno Smith, <laughs> a guy who 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 actually is a, a good quarterback, 
I think he's a Super Bowl head coach because his defense is, in my opinion, defense wins championships. And he will feel the defense that will support a guy like an Aaron Rodgers or something like that. And I think he's a Super Bowl winning coach if he has a good quarterback. I would say so too. And, you know, just, I just want to point this out there. Do you think, uh, how about Kellen Moore as a possible head coach? I love Kellen Moore. Um, And he's right now the, for those who don't know, he's off as a coordinator for the Cowboys. Kellen Moore is actually probably my top choice. uh, Second, I'll say second choice because I want Lincoln Riley so bad. I, I think Lincoln Riley will be the next McVeigh, Kingsbury, Nagy kind of guy. Like mm-hmm. come in and and implement that college style offense, especially with Lincoln Riley with Trevor Lawrence. It, it would probably be one of the best offenses in the NFL for years to come. Uh, but Kellen Moore is, is a close second. I you know I know Kellen Moore from his playing days too um, mm-hmm. as a quarterback and uh I'm actually pretty sure he played for the Jets. So I, I I love Kellen Moore. I think he would be a phenomenal head coach. Oh yeah, and we see we're seeing some issues right now between the Cowboys. Apparently Mike McCarthy is not running a tight ship over there. Be uh you know, again with being a part of that off such an awful division, they might get away with it. But who knows if um I think a lot of people were surprised that Jerry Jones didn't promote him as a head court head coach whether it's from experience or or whatever i mean the guy's only i'm looking at right now he's only 32 years old and uh yeah it's just it seems that him and eric Bieniemy, the office of coordinator for the chiefs as you mentioned before those are the hot coordinator guys uh salah from the 49ers san francisco another big guy right so um, about that young guys in their early 30s giving the big shots now and i i honestly think what the jets do with uh with their pick and trevor lawrence in my opinion comes down to the next coach uh because yeah. i think a coach is either going to come in and say listen let's use that number one pick to hold someone ransom let's go out and get a jamar chase uh, a gregory rousseau a travis etienne and let's put some weapons and some some a team around darnold and let's go win with him because we can't and yeah, you know why why re, why re, why you waste that pick not not that it'd be a waste on trevor lawrence because again i think he's a generational talent i think he's peyton manning but with speed and athleticism which is insane to me okay. but uh i i think I think the Jets, if they were to use those picks, and I think some coaches in the, in the league would say, let's use those picks. Let's go get a Jamar Chase and, and give Sam Donald the number one guy and see what he can do. Uh, but I also think that are, there are some coaches, you know, like uh, Kellen Moore, I think, Lincoln Riley, maybe even the enemy who are going to say, you know what, I'm, I'm starting here. Give me my generational talent. Give me my QB, and then let's build around him. I think it, whether or not Sam Darnold stays or they take Trevor Lawrence depends on the coach. Um, I think a guy like the enemy or, uh, you know, Kellen Moore, Lincoln Riley are going to say, give me that generational talent Lawrence and, and let me go. Let me loose. I, I can build an offense around this guy. I think a guy like Jason Garrett, maybe um, uh, uh, the Harbaugh who's in Michigan, I think they'll come mm. in and say, you know, Donald is talented. 
you guys just haven't put talent around him. Instead of using that number one pick on a quarterback and rebuilding, let's trade that pick. Let's let's you know move back a couple spots and let's pick a Jamar Chase, you know, a Justin Ross, a Travis Etienne, um, a Gregory Rousseau, phenomenal edge rusher from Miami, and let's build a team around Darnold and win now. So I think I think it really depends on the coach. Sam Darnold's future because I think there are coaches in this league who would kill for a guy like Darnold at quarterback. And so, so I think it, it really depends on the coach, whether or not Darnold's gone. It seems, it looks like that is the approach too. And you know, Giants could be very similar situation. I don't know if they'll, you know, it is a hard sell if Joe Judge keeps losing like this to keep them. But the Giants have not been themselves over this the last five years as a franchise. Seeing if, the, if John Mara and Steve Chish would really restart again, I don't know. I just don't. I, uh, I, what I have to say is it depends on, on Gettleman. If Gettleman's still there, mm-hmm. um, they're not taking a quarterback, I'll tell you that much, because he loves Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is his oh guy. Oh, my God. Yeah, the, literally, the, I cannot think of a more random pick in my entire life watching football. <laughs> I, I know. Well, didn't he get not one star recruit out of college and 16th overall? Um, sixth. Yes. Sixth. Yeah. Yeah, and, six, um, six, yeah, six overall. Six overall, and he did that. I mean, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, Dwayne – if they didn't take him, they were taking Dwayne Haskins, who doesn't look much better. So. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all I'm not worried about. But Garden Minshew is uh, yeah making some noise. That was a uh, fail miss opportunity there. But Gettleman, I if he's still the GM going to this draft, um, I and think TJ he's going to pass. I really it, wanted. Yeah, uh, sorry, I, sorry, I wanted Justin Herbert really bad at the time, but. Um, but you were saying so. I, I didn't love, mean to interrupt. I love Justin Herbert, but um, I think uh, I think if Gettleman's still the GM, he passes on two of the better players at the top of the draft, which are a quarterback. So uh, this is assuming they don't get the first pick. That the Jets go 0 16, like everyone expects them <laughs> to. You know, I I think they they pass on Trey Lance, Justin Fields at quarterback, and then I also think he passes on Penne Sewell who is, you know, the number one left tackle because, you know, Gettleman's a very proud guy. And if he takes Sewell or a quarterback, he admits that the Andrew Thomas pick and the, the Daniel Jones picks were bad. <sighs> so I, I think, I think if Gettleman stays, he's going to screw the organization even more by passing on two guys that the giants could really use. And, uh, just out of, out of pride. Um, so that definitely worries me. But if Gettleman's gone, I think, and they don't get the first pick, I think it's Trey Lance or Penny Sewell. Well, you know, I, I will say with Gettleman, to be fair, there's a few guys that he really, and I'm saying very few guys that he hit on. Uh, Bradbury's been looking like an amazing um, defensive back. Uh, bringing in, uh, bringing in Martinez. He's looking good, Logan Ryan, but that's really it. And did he draft Willie Hernandez? Did he or was uh, I believe he did. I believe. And that he looks did. and he's the other he's the only other competent guy and he only had his first he's, penalty this year, so he's done well, you know, in in free agency, but that's not where teams win. Teams win through the draft. You win and build through the draft and to me Gettleman just hasn't hasn't shown me the draft acumen yet. I, I I, I don't see it. You know, passing on guys like Becton, Wills, um, 
uh, who's the other one? Uh, Werfs for Andrew Thomas, who, you know, I, I think he, uh, he was a great college left tackle. But, you know, when you look at that film, he is clearly not the athlete that the other three are. Nope. He is, you know, clearly doesn't even, doesn't have the technique that the other three do. And, uh, always beat him. All these, all these pass rushers beat him every single time. I'm just waiting for a massive pancake meme that's going to happen with him. But, but take, taking him at four was just, it, it, I didn't like it. I didn't like the pick. Um, especially when, you know, you need, you need to hit on that pick. If you're taking someone at four, it's got to be a hit. And if, if I'm Dave Gettleman, I'm going with the guy who's six foot six, three hundred and sixty pounds. And even if he can't play left tackle because of technique, he can go on the right side. And I'm running the Saquon behind that guy every play because no one's getting around him on a run play. He's gonna he's gonna pancake everyone in front of him. So it, that's just me as as a GM. I'm taking the massive guy who's kind of raw because. Worst case scenario, I move him to the right side and I teach him how to be a good run blocker. There should be good times ahead. There's only ways to go up from here, right? So uh, why don't we quickly talk about baseball a little bit before you tell me about fraternity life. So you're a Mets fan. I'm a Yankee fan. Now, we're not as bad as our football. Yes. (laughs) The Yankees in this era of brutal playoff losses – and uh, that that's just a hard pill to swallow with that. But your Mets have – it's really fascinating what's been uh, really growing there with a lot of homegrown players too. And you did have a chance to win out, but, you know, didn't work out. You have a brand-new owner coming in. First thing I want to ask with you as a Met fan, new owner coming in, do you want a new GM and manager? Um. New GM, absolutely. I'm not a big Brody fan. Um, <laughs> Luis Rojas, um, it's it's tough for me to say. I'd say the jury's still out on him because it was a weird 60 game season. But you know, Brody letting letting Wheeler walk was rough for me. Who, you know, who who played really well this year. You know, yeah. and and with the way looking at how the Mets rotation was this year, they could have used a guy like Wheeler. Um, so I, I think Brody's got to go. Um, if you look at you know all the homegrown players right now, they're players that were drafted by the by GM Sandy. before Brody. Yeah, Sandy. Sandy. So um, I would love to see Sandy come back as GM, not as manager, but as GM, and maybe keep Luis as manager or um, bring in a new manager. So, uh, but I'd love to see Sandy Alderson handling personnel. And he's been proven to develop players. And as you mentioned, getting some, whether it's Conforto, Alonzo, uh, uh, um, Jeff McNeil. And he's JD also. Davis, Don um, Smith. And what Sandy did to help develop the 2015 uh, pennant winners and getting, drafting DeGrom, getting Harvey. Well, I can't hear you. What did you say? Uh, I said, uh, you know, it was a, a tough loss in that 2015 World Series. You know, I got to watch that game, those games, not not there, but I got to watch those games, and mm. and it was tough because you know, as as a Mets Jets Islanders fan, I haven't seen a championship in a in quite. I, actually, I don't even. Ever. Yeah, I don't think I've seen a championship in my lifetime that I was old enough to remember. So it it uh, it hurts when you get there and you lose. Oh yeah, like. 
Can I say, you know, one thing you probably hate with Brody too, reckon the jury's still out on Rojas and then seems pressured by the having public pressure to uh, have to let Beltran walk away after his controversial outing. And then he could have had, he could have off given the job to Joe Girardi. Oh, that hurts me. And whether that's a Wilpon reason why not to get to a salary or not. <laughs> and probably that's another reason why we don't. We all know his, uh, <laughs> oh, my God, Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz is all him. And you traded the cute, I can't think of the guy's name, the huge prospect who they think might go off for the Mariners. Oh, yeah, no. A great pitching prospect. I, I couldn't tell you his name, but he's got long red hair, looked you know, has looked phenomenal. And uh, Edwin Diaz and Robinson Cano have mm-hmm. not looked phenomenal. So it's a, that's a tough pill to swallow. Um, I think Steve Cohen, all, all I'd say about Steve Cohen is JT Rumuto and Trevor Bauer. That's all I have to say about Steve Cohen. You just want one of them. He doesn't have to break the bank right away, but just one of them, right? Oh, no, I want both. I want both. You think he could? You think they would do that? I think they. I think he can, and I hope that they do. I mean, you, you know, the the two pieces that are really missing from this Mets team right now are, you know, a second a second ace. You know, because you know, you look at Syndergaard's hurt, Stroman was hurt, and then opted out. Um, Mats didn't have his best year. Oh, um, from it. Degrom, Degrom still pitched well. So you know, if you had you have Bauer, Degrom, Syndergaard coming back, Stroman coming back, that rotation of four is probably better than any other rotation in the league. Do you think the Mets will and resign then, you know, Stroman because he's a free agent after this year? I think they will. I think they'll bring Stroman back. But uh, and then you, you look at the Mets lineup; they have you know Conforto. They have Alonzo, they have Rosario, McNeil, Jimenez, um, J.D. Davis, Dom Smith. They have a lot of guys who can hit and play well. The only piece they're missing is a catcher who can hit. And you add J.T. Romuto to that, and I think it's a championship team. You know, they, they have all the pieces they're missing. You know, this year, their offense was insane. They were missing the pitching. You know, the last couple of years – their pitching was phenomenal. They were missing the offense. So I think if you can bring one more pitcher in, one more offensive piece like a Bauer and a Real Muto, I think it's a championship team. And I would agree. And, you know, you definitely wanted to also make sure Alonso gets out of his sophomore slump and just picks it back up again. But I don't see why not. And, you know, it was a weird baseball season for everyone. And, you know, going transitioning out the Yankees, as you want those big prospects, I want a new a hitter. I want a lefty hitter. So the reason why these tough playoff Yankees losses not hitting in the playoffs uh, towards the end, especially elimination games, we lost by one run. And you'd think a lineup with Aaron Judge, John Carlos Stanton, DJ LeMahieu, Luke Voigt, that they would have the runs in it's a joke. And I hope that now we're, it looks like we're having a uh, – we're going to have an opening in left field. I wanted to – I think Yankees are very too right-handed heavy, especially in a uh, – their home field is perfect for the left-handed batter. I hope we get Michael Brantley from – who's going to be a free agent, who's a lefty free agent. He played really well. 
really well for Cleveland and the Astros. Uh, he can play. He's an amazing defensive player. He made that amazing double play in Game Six of the ALCS last year, which I knew we'd lose that game. Throwing out, make diving catch and throwing out mm-hmm. Judge at first. I knew we would lose that game after that play. So I think that would only make too much sense. But you know, Cashman has been. It's weird. He has a very unique history. Looking back, his legacy is an amazing GM. But he's also had some really, really awful. I mean, he's never once hit it with the free agent. He never hit it once with the free agent starting pitcher, except Garrett Cole so far. First year, I did, he did pretty good. And he did exactly what he needed to do in an elimination game. We didn't do what we – the hitters didn't have to do what they have to do. But whether you're Carl Pavano, whether you're Lance Lynn, whether you're – the, the humongous list of over 20 years of failed starting pitchers. Uh, I mean, CC was good. It was worth the money. Tanaka is fine too, but he's never, ever does what people think they're going to do, except maybe Cole. That was the first time I ever seen him actually do what we thought he would do, but that's what we need. We need a lefty bat. And I also would love the Yankees to get DD back. He's a be a free agent again because Labor Torres can't play short for his life. I would make this. I personally would make the sacrifice for Luke Voigt. I know he was insane this season, but you know who knows? Like it was a kind of out of nowhere season. I reckon he did lose weight and became a stud, but I'd like to see Didi come back, have DJ play first, and have Glaber back with. Michael Brantley playing left, and then obviously keep everyone else the same, and then we figure out what we're going to do with we're going to do with Gary Sanchez. And um, <laughs> I, I'm ready. I've no. Uh, I've been a Gary supporter and defender, but if they would use him as trait bait, I wouldn't be devastated because it really is. I don't know if I don't know if anyone's going to trade for Gary. <laughs> Fair enough. No, it, he would just—he's perfect. He, the one thing he had was his hitting, and that was really bad. Really, so many people yeah. ignore his, him not being the best at calling games and letting pass balls. But yeah, that's what I just—I just want Michael Brantley. Then I'll be—I'll be fine. No, can. I think that—that'd be a good addition to that lineup. They definitely need a lefty bat. Oh, and last one, I have to get. We, I'm done with Chapman. Chap, three times a charm. <laughs> Third times a charm, giving up a major home run. Game six as a Cub, almost <laughs> lost the World Series. Almost, they could have easily lost that game, giving up that three run home run in game seven. And I mean, you can't have a more bigger moment in your life. And he screwed it up, and he got saved by absolutely by the Cubs. <laughs> and we have, we have. 20, we have 2019 giving up the game-winning home run, the season-ending home run with uh, Jose Altuve, even though I think – I don't know how <laughs> my conspiracies, but he definitely was wearing a buzzer. And then number three, giving up the home run against the Rays. Uh, I'd be done. I think R.G. Bradley's available, amazing reliever from the Reds. I wouldn't be someone to invest to. Maybe you, if you make him the setup man and have Zach Britton be the closer, I'll be fine with that. It's just they owe so much money to Chapman, so 
Uh, the Mets will give you Eddie Diaz for a bucket of baseballs. <laughs> Cash considerations. Oh man! Also, another Brody Brody mishap was Brody the one who cut Darno. Yes. Or was it so? And we saw what he did for the Braves. And he could he literally could have been exactly what you were looking for. An, oh, no, a hidden catcher. They literally had it, and they just gave up on him for an old Wilson Ramos. You know, Ramos sprinting to first base looks like looks like someone walking. <laughs> Dude, he is a literal in MLB the show, his speed is literal zero. That's crazy. Oh man. Well, and I know you're also a big hockey fan. You excited for your Islanders? You think they uh I am excited for my Islanders. They um they traded away Devon Taves, which uh I'm not happy about, but uh you know, they knew they were gonna gonna have to trade away some young talent when they give contracts, you know, like they did to Anders Lee, who I love. Captain Lee Captain's my guy. Um Anders Lee, Eberly, Matt Martin, JG Pajot. Um, when you pay guys like that, you're going to have to, you know, trade away some of your young RFAs because you can't afford to sign them. So um, sad to see Taves go because uh, I, I love a guy like Taves. But, uh, you know, the, it, I think it's a championship caliber team still. And uh, they haven't really lost anyone. So I, I think uh, I think they're they're good to go. Oh, yeah. And we know hockey is probably the most open out of all the major sports where you can have oh, like the Blues. They were dead last by the All-Star break last season, and they won the Stanley Cup. So we know the hockey that can be just the same thing. So go look there. My Rangers, you know, they got a first overall pick. They've been rebuilding. They did make the bubble, even though they lost in two. Uh, Said goodbye to Henrik, King Henrik, and we'll see what we do. We'll see what we do. All right, let's let's talk fraternity stuff. Our big uh, connection here. So... (laughs) Our connection, Theta Chi fraternity. I graduated college, and you came in. I graduated spring 2017, and you enrolled in fall 2017. Is that how it worked? Yes. You became, yes. and you became a brother spring 2018. Yes. Okay. So, um, so Theta Chi, my what? What have you? So, what have you done in your part of fraternity? You pledge, you get in. What have you been doing since you got in? Um, I've been the recruitment chair. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I brought in uh, a pledge class of eleven. Uh, really good for, actually, no, for our school. Fall, fall for uh, yeah. So I brought in a pledge class of eleven, uh, which is really good for Hartford. Uh, my my first time around. And then in the fall, I brought in a pledge class of five, which was the, the, the biggest pledge class that we had had in a very long time in the fall. So um, I was uh, really proud of that. Um, I left my marks. I recruited guys that I, I thought, you know, were really Theta Chi material. So I, I kind of molded the, the fraternity the way that I wanted to see it with guys that I, you know, I thought really wanted to be here. And then um, I became Marshall. Uh last fall so i was marshal this past spring uh had to deal with uh being marshal over zoom <laughs> for half now the semester something. oh man how, that tell me was, how, um, that, how was that how was uh, that how was being a marshal over the zoom and for anyone who doesn't know a marshal in a fraternity is so is the he's in charge of the incoming pledge new class. member educator new member new member educator that's the official term um 
Yeah, it, it was uh, it was difficult. Um, you know, I'm used to having you know one on one face face contact uh, with these guys, and you know, um, you know, testing them on material, uh, trying to see if they they know everything they should know. And uh, it, it's weird because when you're over Zoom, you can't really do that. You know, the the best I can do is say, hey, like, you know, send me a text with you know answers to these questions but there's there's no guarantee they're not looking it up and things like that so it was uh it was definitely really hard and uh it was challenging to find ways to to make sure they actually learn the things that they had to learn mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i know i can hear you and uh yeah my fraternity experience was i get in spring i get in spring 2014 i became the fundraising chair the next semester, the fall 2014, I was a fundraising chair. I, That's what I was too. The, the fall after I got mm-hmm. in, I what did I? I did. Um, I had fundraisers like Foodie Thursdays before I went to the bar. I would. It was easy Thirsty Thursday, Foodie Thursdays, and people would just slide in. Yeah. Whether it was a uh, mac and cheese balls or fucking fried Oreos. It was good. You know what? One of a cool story on one th- foodie Thursday in the spring 2014. So that was the last, that was the year Derek Jeter retired. And I, we'd hosted our foodie Thursday all based on watching his final game. And I could tell you exactly during Jeter's final game, I watched it during foodie Thursday with a lot of our brothers. We came and we know the way it ended was Jeter. It was, uh, so what happened was I was watching the game with my roommate, uh, Gabe was also a brother and he had to go do something. And, and the way it worked was that game, like they were cheering for Jeter. He was seeing if he was going to cry or not. And this was about to be it. Then we have David Robertson giving up a game tying home run and it just killed the mood for everything. Then I had a run to foodie Thursday. Cause we have to watch the end of the game. Fuck your orders. This is, this is it. This is, this is it. And Jeter was due up and we just knew that he was going to get it. I think it was, it was Gardner. He walked and then he stole a base and then Jeter drove him in. And I watched that with the, with the entire brotherhood as one of my favorite memories of college watching Jeter's final game <laughs> together. So it was really cool for that. And, after that, I became president of the chapter in the uh, fall and the spring 2015 and fall 2015. You're actually right there behind me. Is it? Is that right, me right uh, there? Awesome. Oh, you're on. You're on one of these right here. Oh, that's incredible. might be this one right here, but you're you're uh, you're right up here as president. So. Oh, that's that's really sweet. Um, thanks for that. And uh, I yeah, I did that for. I did that for my full for all of 2015. 2015 is the year of President Feta Kai, and then after that, I was just um, was a major supporter, and uh, I was just uh, interning a lot after I finished. I actually my fall semester 2015, I was interning at Nickelodeon, and I was president of the chapter. Oh wow! And I didn't skip the semester. <laughs> Going back, from I couldn't Hartford, imagine. Going back to Hartford and Manhattan, the way it would work was, I would. I would, my internship was Thursdays and Fridays. I would, the way it would work was I would go, if we were looking at a regular full day week, I would, I had stacked classes Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Then I would leave campus on Wednesday night 
uh, commute from the city from my home in Norwalk on Thursday and Friday. And then Friday night or Saturday, probably whenever the social was, I would go back up. And then I would stay <laughs> from Sat Friday to I would stay for campus from Friday to Wednesday, and that was my life intent. And then the next semester, I took the semester off to intern at CNN full time, but I was still able to. I just made up the credits the winter, and yeah, that was my experience. I don't think I would be the person I am without Theta Chi. Very proud Theta Chi. I do wish I could do more to help, but it's just because I'm especially donating. It's just because of my situation now with work. Not having work, it's tough to really make any donations, but I'm always down to listen to help. And like, I really, really in depth with what went on because when I was president for t- chapter, was went on probation due to a uh, yeah. incident where <laughs> one of our new members at the time, this was the fall, he got drunk at a... Uh, we had these events every Saturday. I don't know if you still have them. Every Saturday we had events like they were just stupid fucking things that, that the uh, IFC made us do. And he showed up drunk to one of them. And, that <laughs> and uh, that semester was really crowd control. Cause I had both nationals on us, the national fraternity, the headquarters and IFC in Greek life. But we were able to pull through and we were stronger than ever. And I'm very appreciative that we're still here today for it. So um, tell me about what's going on with the chapter and how's things been going? Well, actually, uh, you know, our our official uh, alumni weekend event was canceled for this weekend, sadly. Um, Yeah, I saw it due to COVID concerns. Yeah. Um, however, we are having uh, a small uh, little get together with some alumni. So you're more than welcome to come this weekend if you want to. Um, thank you. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard times. Um, the fraternity in the times of COVID is, uh, is weird. Um, yeah, I was going to, you know, we, I was going to ask and perfectly tell me how is it being in a fraternity during COVID-19? Um, well, first of all, uh, the school definitely, uh, targets us when it comes to COVID, uh, today, actually specifically in, Greek life or the oh, specifically Greek, um, the Greek life, uh, in general. So actually in an hour and a half two hour, two and a half hours, I have to go and get my third COVID test in as many weeks. Really? Um, and we've all been randomly selected. Uh, every brother of just about every fraternity has been randomly selected every week for the last three weeks. Um, and actually, there was a uh, – I'm sure you went to the Russian lady when you were here. Oh, yeah. I love the Russian lady. Is they still around? Did they make it? <laughs> actually, the Russian lady opened up last week for open bar, opened up the top, Oh my! And uh, they oh, I had know about um, that top, that top over that, <laughs> that Russian lady top. I can tell you, man. So they there. They um they opened up and had open bar again, and there was close to 150 students there. Mm-hmm. The school has gotten permission from Russian lady to review their cameras, and they're going to suspend anyone they can identify on the cameras who oh. wasn't social distancing at Russian lady. So um. It's it's a hard time. Uh, you know, we, we can't have socials. Um, we're actually what, what's weird is our our, can, our house, our fraternity house, isn't school subsidized. It is non-school property. You know, it's it's a private yeah. residence. 
Um, and the school has basically told Greek life that we don't care that you're in a private residence. Uh, you can't have more than 10 people there. At your um, private residence. And if you do, in your own private residence, and if you do, we're going to treat it as if you're on campus and give you sanctions. Um, whereas, you know, Connecticut guidelines say that I can have up to 25 people in my home as long as they are social distancing, wear masks, um, or a hundred people in my backyard, but the school tells me I can only have 10 people here. They're going to, you know, treat it like I'm on campus and, and, you know, I could get suspended and things like that. Can they legally do that? I'm sure there's some precedent being, being broken. I honestly don't know, but uh, it's, it's starting to be a little much, you know, I, they, we actually got an email yesterday. um, All of Greek life. Um, got an email saying, so tomorrow from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., we're doing a full day of testing for Greek life and athletics only because for some reason you guys can't seem to follow the rules. And we don't care if you've gotten, you know, a COVID test this week because I, I, I got a COVID test Tuesday, just a couple days ago on Tuesday that came back negative And they've told me that we don't care. Um, you have to comply and take another test today. And... Uh, I'm. I can't believe it. Uh, that's one of the things that's tough and unfair for Greek life on a national level is that people do really judge and preconceive notions unfairly. And one of the things that I learned from National is how to speak and how to explain that and how to prove that not all Greek life is Animal House. And I. I mean, not, not a lot of people talk about the philanthropies, the legitimate philanthropies that are being um, administrated. They don't talk about the personal development a fraternity member can get socially and professionally. We know for a fact that with any position in this world you get, it's about who you know, not what you know. And we need connections. People will consider you if you're probably though in their Greek life organization or they hear. I know it. I will. I will say I don't really bring up my Greek. It depends. Well, I shouldn't say this. I don't bring up my Greek affiliation when it comes to a job interview, and definitely reading the crowd with it because I can talk about a lot of great leadership opportunities I got from being a chapter president, learning how to communicate, learning how to administer an organization, and my first experience really doing that was because of Greek life. And again, it's just depending on the room to explain that because they'll just assume that I was drunk or getting fucked up. You want to know something? <laughs> I'm going to say this on my, I'm going to say this on, um, did I, I said, I think I did say this already, but you know, when it comes to dating and love in this world, I uh, was very late bloomer. When I was president of the fraternity, I was a virgin the entire time. I was a virgin president of a party fraternity. Like that was legit. So literally, man, and, and I bring that up because, well, it's not exactly the stereotype of, a, <laughs> of a, a fraternity member. And I think I got a strong resume being a Greek life person at my age right now. So like everything's different. And you shouldn't really judge Greek men and women like that. And yes, trust me, there's plenty of people who've made bad examples from other schools across the nation. But that's a really, really small 2%. Greek life is well, a great a, opportunity for any school. That's a great point. And something I like to say that there's there's a difference between a fraternity and a frat. 
Um, just like there's a difference between a frat boy and a fraternity man, you know, uh, you know, a frat boy sees a girl who's a little too, too drunk and, and takes her upstairs to his room. A fraternity man sees a girl who's a little too drunk and takes her home, locks her door and leaves. And, um, we in Theta Chi, especially here at the university of Hartford, like to pride ourselves on being fraternity men. And, um, that's, uh, something that a lot of people don't see, you know, because, the only thing that, that anyone really sees is, you know, frats. They see, because that's what you see in the news. You see, you know, hazing death, um, mm-hmm. you know, girl raped by frat brothers. And what you don't see is, you know, Theta Chi fraternity donates hundreds of thousands of dollars to the USO every year. Um, you know, Theta Chi fraternity, uh, an event that we're planning on doing pretty soon is uh, – walk a mile in her heels where we're all going to wear heels and, and walk a mile for awareness for sexual assault. And they don't see things like that. What, what they see is, you know, the bad news stories and the bad media. And it's a shame. It's a real, real shame. And, you know, as hopefully generations of time shows that, you know, we can not have that animal house uh, assumption against the Greek men and women. And, I figured, I figure, oh, due time that there will be more respect in that. And, you know, low key, I think a lot of people who weren't in Greek life, who was the GDI in college, low key is like, oh, that would have been cool because, um, you know, we're not doing elephant walks. We're not uh, hitting people. <laughs> we're just trying to enjoy our time young before we do stupid shit this world <laughs> makes us go through, you know? I think, you know, I, I think people don't see the benefit of a fraternity because, you know, what being in a fraternity really does is prepares you for the real world. You know, it gives you time management skills. Um, you know, very often we do events and, and resources where we help build resumes to mock interviews with people in your field. And it's, it's really a, a good way to advance yourself as a human being, you know, to, to grow as a man and be better prepared for the world outside side of college because you know when you're in college the world's in kind of a bubble for you you're you're in school you get to go out and have fun you know all you have to do is a little bit of schoolwork every once in a while and once you leave school you're in the real world and i think being in a fraternity helps prepare you for those real world responsibilities and consequences especially socially and i'm not talking about socially doing keg stands or uh or um case races i'm saying socially know how to communicate with the person know how to be professional amongst them you know now how to dress well um you know when it comes to mock interviews you might not have the school sponsored saying oh you come here to do a mock interview and they ask a stupid fucking question what kind of salad dressing are you no one asked that no one asked that. i've yeah. done hundreds of interviews but i know how to present myself from it and i know talking with other people mock interviews are when they say mock interviews it's more of meeting a brand new person for the first time it's more of presenting something that's what the actual mock interview is well it, it's actually um what with uh i don't know if, if you did this but we actually take um alumni brothers who work in the respective fields and uh rather than you know it being a school mock interview where they're like again well what kind of salad dressing would you be these are real you know real ceos and and you know lawyers and and district attorneys and things like that who you know give up their time to give us a mock interview where they ask us real questions they give us you know a real interview and uh you know, something that you'll see in the real world, not yeah. again, like you said, what kind of salad dressing are you? And also it's just 
when you speak to people socially, because that's when you're really and you're when you're at a social gathering or party, like that's the real selling point when someone will consider you a networking. You know, I don't think forced networking events work. No, not at all. Like I did, we did the stupid Yukon forced networking event where everyone dressed nice, giving fake cards. Like that doesn't work. It's more of, honestly, is when you're at, when you're at a bar or when you're at, I don't know, a uh, cookout and I'm speaking to someone like, well, I mean, I'm, this is different because we're talking Zoom, but when I talk like you and me like this, that really is someone judging you and that's your opportunity to prove to them because they know, is this person going to act a certain way in this chill setting? And if they're professional and cool, I could probably trust them in the workforce, you know? That's actually, that's, that's a great point. I, I met, uh, I met my, actually, well, they're not my boss, but I, I met two, two people for the company that I work for. And I got my internship at a um, young conservatives convention. I went there and they, they had a booth there and I met and spoke to them and they, you know, they were impressed with the way I dressed, you know, the, the way I spoke to them, my professionalism. And uh, I got an interview from them. Yeah. That's uh, how it more works. Not this. An internship. And then, you know, after the internship, uh, the first thing I did, I went to a, a fundraising event for one of our biggest donors and uh, I met him. And once again, I, you know, I was dressed well, my suit, uh, the way I spoke to him and everything. And he offered me a job also through them. So, so you know, I, it's amazing. It, it's, and the fraternity really helped prepare me for that because, you know, they helped teach me how to dress, you know, suit and tie, you know, that also comes from my parents, but you know, the fraternity, you know, how to present yourself and, and how to be a professional. I love it. Now, uh, you were saying whether you when we right before we started recording, you said, was, "Is there anything you want to ask me about my time with Datacon and the fraternity and what I do?" You know, I mean, uh, in all aspects. What do you miss? What What do you What do you miss? What's the biggest thing that you miss? I miss, I miss having that. I miss being able to go to someone's apartment, just walk in, and then not getting not getting in trouble for it. I miss I miss the camaraderie and hanging out with people. One, that's definitely I just miss seeing my friends and you know i'm in group chats with with brothers and there are a few that are my best friends for life i really do miss seeing everyone on a relaxed non worrying about paying your taxes <laughs> aspect you know because because you know I'm, I'm a senior this year you know I'm, I'm heading off to to law school and you know less than a year now and uh you know, it's just, it, it sucks, you know, cause it, it flies by so much faster than you think it would, you know, it feels like yesterday I was a freshman moving on to campus and, and now I'm almost done with my first semester of senior year. So it, it, you know, it just flies by. Oh my God. Take it in, man. You know, as you know, I've been told many times it does go fast and appreciate every single second because when you're in this real world, paying stupid student loans, paying your rent, <laughs> paying your car bill, paying your phone bill. Well, I already, I already paid those things. So. <laughs> I mean, on top, it's it, when they really stick up to you, especially yeah. it's, and that's what sucks. And going, doing your nine to five or doing a creative job. And it's just nice to drink beers. If you're into smoking <laughs> weed, smoking joints and blunts, which are not For legal bad. reason. Yeah. For legal reasons, I don't smoke marijuana. <laughs> well, good to hear that. I appreciate that. Appreciate you hearing that. I can't, uh, you know, we could that we could talk all day regarding the cannabis structure of this world, but you know, it, for it those college, it should definitely yes. be legal with with college. You know, kids who do that, 
those are the cool days. I mean, you know, don't share blunts now because of COVID unless everyone takes their test. But um, yeah, college, you know, but I mean, also like being able to, you know, when I go grocery shopping after I'm done with you, I have my grocery shop list. I can't go to Conover or the dining halls anymore. I'm, I'm headed to, to Commons right after this to eat, uh, eat some lunch with my pledge class and then get my third COVID test. You're able to, uh, is, how does Commons work? How does the dining hall work in COVID times? Uh, so you swipe in and you can't touch any of the food or anything like you usually can, you know, you can grab your thing. They have it prepackaged for oh. you like each meal or something in like a, a take a to-go box. And then you get a bunch of to-go boxes and you take them. You can either, there's places to sit inside, I'm pretty sure still. And then you take them and they have benches outside that you can now sit on like park benches and eat outside and it's it's definitely not not normal not normal commons and then the nor the winter oh man oh the winter's gonna be i didn't even think it well we'll be we'll be gone halfway through november and we won't they actually just announced today they sent us an email that they're pushing classes back for spring semester so we won't won't even come back until february 1st Oh, no way. The whole month of January. How about that? Well, I sincerely hope we have some uh, big strides come in. And, yo, tell me. Uh, we well, got- actually, the, um, what was it yesterday? The um, FDA approved Redenzivir as um, the first uh, legally FDA approved uh, COVID treatment. Really? I didn't actually see that story. I'm definitely reading about that. That's some great news. Did they say when. Uh, yeah, possibly- so there's. So FDA approves it. Did they say when we can have possible distribution of it, or is that a? Well, no, no. So, so Redenzivir has already been used to treat COVID, but now it's it's officially a, you know some so doctors kind of have flexibility. It's already an, an FDA approved drug. Um, the FDA just approved that it's it can be a COVID treatment now. So doctors okay. were using it to treat COVID, but now it's it's fully approved. The FDA says yes, this this works for COVID. Excellent. Excellent to hear. Oh, I guess, uh, you know, we're almost saying we've been at it for an hour and a half and it's been a really good time. I don't know if you've been having fun. I certainly have. And uh, I definitely had a good time. Uh, basically, is there anything else you want to leave us off with? Any wisdom, any uh, a, uh, um, words of advice or anything to say? Any? Everyone love everyone because life is too short to hate. <laughs> Can't end off with a better note. All right, Kevin. Well, I thank you for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And let's do this again. And I'll see you in the Johnson group chat. But I definitely hope to see you in person. Really hope to see you in person very, very soon as well. And we can chop it up then. Well, hopefully you come up this Saturday and we'll we'll be able to hang out and, and talk a little bit more. Awesome. Well, I'll see what I can do, but just in case I can't make it this Saturday, let's definitely, let's definitely figure something out soon. Absolutely. We're not too far. You're only in Norwalk. So we'll, if anything, we'll grab lunch sometime. Hey man, you know, I'm not opposed, but I'll definitely speak to you again. And I definitely, on behalf of the listeners, thank you for coming on and you the man, Kevin, and uh, stay safe out there. Right. You too, Matt. Good job. Good job. Kevin Schaefer did an excellent job. He was very professional. He was very calm. And he was very, very great to talk to. And now, as you know, 
during a portion of Kevin's interview, he talked about his reasons on going red, his reasons why he's going to vote for Trump. And again, I figured it's fair to hear the other side. Here's somebody who supports Biden. Here's somebody who's going blue. And it's cannot be even more appropriate on the day before election day to hear somebody else's view. So with that, here is my co-host of the Tweet Cap. You can find that podcast every Friday and on all podcasting platforms. Special thanks to Ryan because I had somebody verbally agree to come on to explain his perspective on what's going on and why you should go vote blue. But he didn't respond to my message when we were doing the final scheduling and it's his loss. So with that, here's Ryan explaining his perspective on why you should vote for Biden and go blue during the election tomorrow. Here he is, my buddy, Ryan Page. All right. I got my guy again, Ryan Page, the first ever double guest on the Productive Conversations podcast. And he's in for a special reason today. Not only first to check us out every Friday for the tweet cap on now all podcasted platforms. We got to accept it, including Google, Stitcher, TuneIn. And Transistor, our podcasting host. And um, also, we Ryan came in because, um, as you've seen in the previous segment, I had a not only my guest, Kevin Schaefer, given his perspective being a Trump voter and supporter. And I figured, to be fair, right before the election day, why don't we hear somebody who votes for, for for Biden and who is supporting the Democratic side. And why not other than Ryan Page? And I'm glad he's here again with me. Ryan, what's going on? Not much. Just dropped off my ballot at the uh, Middlesex County um, Dropbox. It's right here in my town. So me and Melissa took a walk and we went ahead and dropped off our ballot uh, yesterday evening. So I'll vote it up. How did it feel to finally vote four years in the making? This is, I mean, this is definitely different than what you played probably, uh, you know, as much as a year ago. Well, yeah, I voted last time too, but, um, yeah, I mean, part of it is a weight off my shoulders. Um, I won't lie. I, I don't know what Kevin said about voting, his voting, uh, plan. Everyone should have a voting plan regardless of who you're voting for. But, um, I was torn about whether or not I would go in person uh, for a lot of reasons. Obviously, I didn't necessarily want to go wait in line with coronavirus being what it is, rising here in New Jersey. Uh, I also, though, uh, and maybe this is the the president's effect, I was nervous about not voting in person. Uh, A, you know, would my vote be one of the votes that gets contested? Um, Not because it was anything wrong with it, but because of politics. Uh, And B, would it um, get there? <laughs> when would the vote oh, get man. there? Uh, even even if it did get there, you know, not not that I think this would happen, but could you imagine if the state of New Jersey went for Donald Trump on election night and then flipped to Joe Biden, you know, a week later? Yeah, I mean, he would never he would never stop talking about it. That would be the only thing Donald Trump spoke, of. and not just New Jersey, but California, New mm-hmm. York, all those super blue states. Well, Pennsylvania is a swing state. They need that oh, to win. Oh, yeah, but I mean, yeah. if you got a blue state to turn red mm-hmm. on election night because his people were the ones who voted that day, 
uh, and then it went back blue. You know, when all the other votes were counted, I mean, he wouldn't stop talking about it. He would say that he won everywhere. He'd be like, I won New Jersey and I won New York, and they still took it from me. He'd be insufferable more so than he already is. So that's why I wanted to vote in person. Um, and ultimately, because of the laws, is the reason I voted the way I did. Uh, turns out, if I voted in person. It would have been a provisional ballot anyway. I would have had to write it in like I was filling out an absentee ballot, and I would have looked at it along with everything else. And I was like, if I'm going to write it in anyway, I might as well write it in from the safety of my home. Yep. Drop it off. And, I mean, it's not going to get counted any sooner or any later. They're going to count the votes as they get them, and that's, that is what it is. Uh, so – yeah, that was ultimately what made my decision. Uh, so super political reason. But uh, I have to imagine everybody's really weighing in how they're going to vote because it's so different than how, we are, how we're used to, how we did it four years ago and so on. For sure. You know, my plan at this moment, I'm planning to go in in person on, um, at our former middle school, West Rocks Middle School. And mm-hmm. if you want to see me there, I'll probably go from <laughs> – I'll probably go definitely between the hours of 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. No later than that. Okay. So I'm going right in the middle. Shouldn't be as crowded at that time, even in a non-COVID year. Um, yeah. So that's why why it's beneficial for me also choosing in person and, uh, you know, run to our local center, you know, see our local leaders getting that last minute vote when I walk in, whether you're Bob Duff or Lucy Evans, hmm. uh, Calcides, and, you know, I know how I'm going to vote. I know I've had some emotional things at the end of the day regarding my vote, but I will not put any, I will not make a dumb, rational, irrational decision because of an <laughs> unimportant reason. I will vote for who I believe is right. And all I'll say, I hope there's a change and a, uh, on a federal level. But having said yeah. that, you know, let's, let's, let's discuss, you know, Sure. Right now, Trump, Biden, most likely, even though we have Green Party candidates and and libertarians, that looks like it's going to go down to those two. Yeah. And more than likely. Is it fair to say before that you are somebody who will be voting blue? Like, officially, I can ask that, if you don't mind me asking. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I assumed it was the reason you brought me on. Uh, yeah, yeah, had, of course, you know, just Evan for, professionally. For Trump, so. <laughs> yes, I, I figured by virtue of me being the person that talked uh, the opposite of Kevin, <laughs> that, yeah, it was pretty well known. You know, okay, so is can I ask, first things first, why, sure. Ryan Page, are you voting for Joseph Biden to be president? Because... Donald Trump isn't qualified to be president. Mm -hmm. And that's really hard to do after being president for four years, by the way. (laughs) But even with four years head start, he's still less prepared to be president than Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. And I know, again, I know what I'm saying. Someone who's never been president is more prepared than someone who is currently president. But I mean, look at the world. And I know they're going to say, well, COVID is not his fault. And it's not. COVID isn't anyone's fault. And although if you ask Trump, he'll blame a list of people who are not him. Um, but even if you take the fact that there's a virus killing people out of the equation, you still have to deal with how we responded to it. That's still a part of it. Yep. No, we didn't choose the virus. Nobody chose to have this virus kill people. This virus get a lot of people sick and destroy communities economically, obviously, you know, physically. But we did choose how we were going to respond. We did choose to decide that, you know, life-saving 
procedures like wearing a mask and standing six feet apart should be optional. And we didn't even attempt to push those things when we decided to make them optional. I mean, a lot of the best public health um, public health campaigns have been optional. You know, like seatbelts for a while were not the law. Yeah, it didn't take until uh, the 80s until that. Right. But what they did do was they tried to explain it and they pushed real hard to get people to do you know the right thing i mean you talk about fauci who's in charge now he was brought in during the aids uh epidemic and in that case too it was very much the same way they wanted to make sure that people were you know practicing safe sex and that was the way that it worked by the way when they were doing a aids could kill you thing nobody listened and then when they you know got real they broke it down and they were you know pushing people to make the safe decision. It was less about punishing behavior. No one was saying you're you're an idiot for going to the store right now. Or in this that case, you're an idiot for, you know, having sex. But they did say there's a way to do this safer. There's a way to limit the risk. And that's the thing that I mean we've talked about before, you know, no risk versus some risk. Is there a difference? And the answer is yeah. A lot of risk and a little and a little risk. Yes, they're both risk, but no. One of them is better than the other. And this election, I think, comes down to that. Even for people who don't like Biden, you know, a lot, they're not his, they're not their preferred candidate. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of risk and there's a little risk right now. There's a lot of risk if we keep Donald Trump in for four years to to democracy, to people's health, to the economy. There's a little risk. Of course, there's always risk when you change course. You don't know what Joe Biden's going to do. Nobody does. They know what he says he's going to do, and you have to take him at, you know, his word for most of that. But there's a lot of risk, and there's a little risk, and the little risk way, way better than the lot of risk because Joe Biden has good ideas. He has said he's going to implement them, and so really the only risk people are saying is, what if he lied? Well, this president did lie mm-hmm. a lot, like twelve times a day or something, according to uh, like news media trackers. So if lying's your problem. I don't know. It feels like it's hard to make the case that what if Biden lies and then vote for the president who's lied to us for four years about basically anything he felt he didn't want us to know. You just name some of those re- those lists. I know what you're talking about just for listeners sake or some of those things oh, that lied that, about. Yeah. And proven to lie about. Throughout yeah. Well, years. he told. Bob, yeah. He told Bob Woodward. He knew it was uh, coronavirus is airborne. Basically, he knew everything he said he didn't know on TV. And then when it all came out, he's like, oh, well, we're learning. Um, I mean, he's he lied on his taxes. <laughs> I know that the man's not actually a billionaire, but he made more than enough to pay $750 to the federal government. Uh, and that's a lie that's been perpetrated like over decades. That's not even just like these last four years. Mm-hmm. Um he said he was going to work across the aisle when he when he was getting elected. Everyone thought, you know, shake things up. A business person knows how to cut a deal. He hasn't cut a single deal. Everything has been done partisan. I mean, they just put a Supreme Court justice on the bench without any Democratic support. Brett Kavanaugh, whom was accused of rape. Yeah, rape. <laughs> he had support from some Democrats, not a lot, but that was technically bipartisan support. Not a single bipartisan vote for Amy Coney Barrett, none. So how is that working across the aisle? It's not. 
<laughs> he just and then the wall, like I said, the wall is a sham. Steve Bannon has been arrested for defrauding people who've been trying to support building this wall, and that's a lot to unpack. But he's in jail now because he was building the wall, uh, but really he was pocketing a bunch of money from folks who wanted to help Trump build a wall. Um, that's not how government programs should be run. You shouldn't have to go fund me a government program. Um, and he has basically program. just kept everything that he said on the table so he could say it again. He didn't want to fix any of his issues. He didn't want to keep any of his promises because, well, what does he have after that? And he knows that because nothing he said was going to make the country better. Nothing. And so he's like, if I can't make the country better and tell people look how much better it is, I have to tell them it's still broken. And the only way to do that is to keep it broken. Definitely fair responses. You know, I want to ask you this, Ryan. Um, sure. To be fair, when I spoke with Kevin, he acknowledges some of the things Trump has done wrong himself. He said his ultimate, his ultimate backfire that even makes him uncomfortable is his mouth. And mm-hmm. that's more of a paraphrase. And those are the exact words, but Kevin pretty much admits that it's his mouth that is the biggest problem. And that's a Republican admitting Trump wrong. Is there anything you can say or give credit for Trump in every little thing, even if it's just as small as the uh, the federal? He he made animal credit? abuse a federal problem, a federal um, a federal issue. So, you know, that's good for animal issues. I'm saying, is there anything? Sorry, right. I'm going to cut you off a little bit. So, no. And I don't say no in a bad way. I'm not saying that nothing was accomplished over four years. That would be a, a, an absolute lie. But like, he's the president. You can't separate that part. I mean, this guy wants a cookie for doing his job. When I get, you know, when I do my job, I get a paycheck and that's it. My boss doesn't call me every week and say, hey, you made it another week. Good job. No, <laughs> there's an expectation I do certain things. Mm-hmm. The president of the United States, there's an expectation he is able to and will do certain things. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, the crime bill, that's something that he worked on, right? Uh, obviously, uh, he's done some foreign uh, foreign um, affairs stuff that surprised me. Some of it I didn't like. Some of it I thought was fine. But that's not the point because that's literally his job. <laughs> so to sit there and say, well, he did accomplish something, I would hope so. If you can't accomplish a single thing in four years, I'm able to say Obama didn't, but that would be a lie. If you can't accomplish a single thing in four years, then, I mean, that just proves you shouldn't be president. Yeah. I, I, I wish I had four years to do it an assignment at work. Are you kidding me? Someone said, <laughs> here's what you need to do. You've got four years to do it. Go ahead. Like, if you can't get that done, then you're not trying at yeah. all. And so, I mean, no, I'm not going to give him credit for things that he should be doing. Mm-hmm. I can, if, I mean, if you want to, you know, go, you know, tit for tat, like, is there anything about Joe Biden you don't like? I mean, I don't like that he's 78 years old, not his fault it's when he was born. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I do think he's probably, I think Donald Trump is told to be president to be clear. I'm not saying that Joe Biden yeah, he is the Trump oldest elected president. Right. Unless Biden wins and then it'll be Biden. So either way, <laughs> One of them is going to be the oldest elected president. So both of them are too old to be running, and I would say that to anyone. But at the end of the day, that's who's running. So the per- the president's going to be too old regardless. Might as well be the person who you know isn't actively lying to people and isn't actively creating problems that they just don't we don't need mm-hmm. problems that could have been avoided and should have been avoided in the middle of a health crisis in particular. 
definitely fair, fair, absolutely fair response. You know, and you know, you were you um, alluded to my next point. Just was just one of the few things that some people, as a whole, say that might hinder uh, that might hinder Biden's ability to be president. Yeah, is his age. Um, you know, they. You know what our our buddy Stephen Colbert. You know what he said. He once said, and that's true. And it's a general, it's a general phrase is that you shouldn't diagnose someone you never met. And, you mm-hmm. know, if people could accuse Biden of dementia and they accuse him of, a, you know, being kind of uncomfortable around people, you know, we'll take the uncomfortable part away for a second. Not, not that that's yeah. not a bad thing, because no one should make mm-hmm. anyone uncomfortable. But we'll focus in on people accusing of him of dementia. You know, dementia is pretty damn serious. And I'm sure we've all sadly saw someone succumb to that and that's quite the accusation to give to someone and do you feel that that is a legitimate concern or um no not no the people who are calling him dementia who are not named donald trump they're the people who struggle to get through high school Mm -hmm. they're not medical professionals i would never go to a buddy of mine and say hey i'm not feeling so great what do you think's wrong they don't know I don't know, by the way. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you're saying he doesn't have dementia. I'm not his mental health provider. I'm not his general practice provider. Yeah. He's got doctors, as everyone who served as vice president does. It's one of the perks, even though we don't have health care as a country. They do. Um, if he was unfit to be president, the doctor would have said something. Right. Um, and I don't mean that as in like, well, you're what if he paid the doctor? Yeah, what if he paid the doctor? Joe <laughs> Biden has been in public life for 46 years, more than that, because, you know, it's, it was four years still in public life. He just wasn't in elected office. He didn't just get dementia in 2019. That, that's not how it happens. If you have dementia, you don't, it didn't just happen. You know, oh, now he's, now he's the nominee. He's got dementia. Yeah. I mean, that's how Trump would like you to say, and that's what his supporters will say. But a doctor years before Joe Biden considered running for president would have said, Joe, you have dementia. <laughs> I mean, he showed no signs of anything that even resemble that. Again, I don't want to get too much into this conversation because that's what they want. They want two people who don't know anything about medicine, don't know anything about anything to go on about who has dementia, who's showing signs of dementia. It's different in everybody. It's, It's a disease. Not all diseases manifest the same way. Some people get a cold and they're laid up in bed. Some people get a cold and they just, you know, take a, uh, what's an emergency and go about their day. Emergency. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's not being sick with something doesn't mean you're going to have the same list of symptoms. Symptoms are not a checklist. Symptoms are a survey. When a doctor looks at your symptoms, they're not looking to see, Oh, you've met three of six. You might have this. They're looking to see what could this be? Let me get the symptoms. Let me take this survey. And then I can get closer to the answer. And so I don't want to get into the arguments about, you know, two people who don't know anything about medicine deciding whether or not Joe Biden is mentally healthy. I will say that I haven't seen anything that made me think he wasn't. And I will also say that there's no way they could have kept that hidden for however many years it would have been going on for. So between those two things, I'm pretty confident that those are just, you know, people without much knowledge trying to appear like they're somehow, uh, above or better than the the sheeple um, who are voting for Democrats or Joe Biden specifically. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you, you know, going back to the other point regarding Trump, uh, Biden's, you know, there's some pretty awkward pictures we've seen in the past and people explaining, you know, for lack of a better word, is, is Biden a creepy old man? And, you know, whether it's sniffing hair or, uh, you know, putting his hands where they shouldn't be, is that a legit concern at all or no? So everyone involved in those situations, from what I've seen, and I haven't seen everything, has come forward and said it, it's being read into too much. It's being mis- misportrayed. Um, for me personally, yeah, I actually didn't like that. I still don't. I'm not going to pretend I like something that I don't. Um, but I mean, the president just went to court to see if the Department of Justice, so again, the people we pay as taxpayers, could defend him in his uh, case against the woman who accused him of raping her. This is the current sitting president. So I would say to anyone who says, well, creepy Joe Biden, you know, makes women uncomfortable. Again, I don't like the age of the candidates, but that's their ages. We've got two men who are running for president. That's what we have this year. There, there's no way around it. I, I know the names. I know the names of the other two people running for the other two major, uh, you know, third party. I don't know if major. you could. I'm not saying that to insult you. No, but, no, uh, I, I can't. It's fair. And I don't. I don't and know. I would have to guess that the person that you did before me can't either. Um, but you know, you I will say with, he is. He is in. Uh, the, he's going to law school for constitutional law. I figured I'm, he might. Well, know, I'm, not, I'm not saying. That, I'm not saying that. But I, yeah, the average person I'm doesn't know. Bad. I'm just saying those people are not going to be the president of the United States. Yes. They also yes, yes. come with their own baggage. One of them has never served. Actually, neither of them have ever served an elected office. We saw how well that worked. Um, <laughs> so, again, there's two people who could be president of the United States. One of them has proven that they're going to fail because they failed for the last four years. One of them is not. And that same one who has not proven anything has also gone for 46 years and done a lot of good for a lot of people and served his community. I mean, that's all he's done. Everyone looks at that as a bad thing. Oh, he's a career politician. Yeah, that means a decision was made early on that I'm not going to start a successful law firm. I'm not going to take a small loan of a million dollars and bankrupt several casinos. Uh, He made the decision that I'm going to spend my time taking care of people as best I can, representing people as best I can, and helping my community as best I can. I don't see how that can be a bad thing. Listen, if he was a corrupt politician with a you know a career of corrupt decision making, you know, been caught, and I know they're trying with this Hunter Biden crap. Sorry if you have to, uh, <laughs> that, but no, you know, you're fine. They're trying now. You know, in the last two weeks, suddenly he's the most corrupt person ever, uh, according to Donald trying Trump. To, said that at trying a, at a rally. to tie Borat into it too. <laughs> yeah, but um, it's. Again, beyond that, like no, never has he been charged with corruption. He's always been charged as a guy who's trying to represent his community and his constituency, however big or small that may be. And so, you know, from Delaware to the entire United States, I don't. Again, I just don't see the comparison. There isn't one in terms that. of who is dedicated to service and who is dedicated to self uh, to self enrichment to making themselves more rich, more famous, and there's no comparison. Definitely, man. So we got um, just two more points because the uh, timing is coming on. Just one of the things that um, even Trump's, even uh, Biden supporters say that might be a concern is Biden's tax plan. Uh, 
regarding and changing things and they might we might see some rates going up do you think that is a major concern in any way shape or form do you have four hundred thousand dollars you can lend me not at this time then neither one of us has to worry about biden's tax plan <laughs> i mean i may i may be of the minority in this particular opinion even amongst some democrats but i don't think i am um there's a lot of really wealthy people in America, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, I think that those people need to pay more. And I was asked actually by a Trump supporter, well, what if it were you? And the answer would be, yeah, I would pay more. And I was told I was lying, but that's not true. <laughs> I, it's not. You can be wealthy and say, wow, I have a lot of money. Most of the candidates running for president mm -hmm. every year all into that category and they still put out these tax plans. So you can have a lot of money and say, I don't need this much. And it's not about need. I understand that you made the money, but you know, who does need the money is everyone who doesn't have it. Yep. All of those people who don't have $400,000 or more. And so waiting for this moment where we're all going to be rich, it's impossible. We're never all going to be rich. It's how rich works. If everybody was rich, I mean, it'd be insane. There would be no way, you know, to have an economy where everyone was rich. Mm -hmm. So instead of creating a system that exploits all of the not rich people, which is most of us, because someday you might make it big. Why don't we accept that we need some more money coming into this country? And there's a group of people, a small group of people, but a group of people who have it. They have the means to help their country, the country that they got rich in, the country that buys their products, and the country that supplies their workforce. They have the means to help this country. So the Biden tax plan is not going to affect anybody who's struggling to get by. It's mm -hmm. not going to affect anybody who currently needs help. But what it is going to do is going to take those people who don't need help. And I don't mean like are living comfortably. I mean like don't need help. <laughs> and they're going to say, you got to pay a little more. And they're going to pay a little more. And then mm -hmm. we'll have less people struggling. When less people struggle, they buy more stuff. They can afford to take, you know, the time to get themselves better educated to enter the workforce. So now instead of having 16 people do small tasks, you can hire, you know, four people to run your company for you. Uh, people that previously weren't going to be able to get that education or get that job training now can get it because they don't have to worry about working six small jobs to pay for food and then another three because they have to pay for rent. What a game. Ain't that an endorsement to get your stack them bends, as some of the younger kids would say. But anyways, so we got four minutes to go. Ryan, sure. my last question. For anyone, if there's anyone on the fence, figuring do I go Biden, do I go Trump? Or do you have anything to say to them or any last words yeah. in general to give a uh, endorsement? Yeah, if you're on the fence, I mean, my endorsement means nothing. So I'm not going to endorse. But <laughs> if you're on the fence... I would look at it this way. One person has had four years to do everything they promised, has delivered none of it, along with a global health pandemic and a litany of other problems. I don't have to tell people about the news. We do that on the tweet cap. Mm -hmm. The other person has spent their entire life trying to serve their community. Has not always gone well. Crime bill, for an example. But... They've spent their entire life dedicated to service. Their family has spent their entire life dedicated to service. Jill is a teacher, Jill Biden. Bo uh, was deceased, served in the military, and also served in elected office. 
this is service versus selfish. One person has served their community. The other one has been selfish the entirety of their life. You can't ask an old dog to learn a new trick. Donald Trump is not going to be the savior this country needs. He has never shown that inclination before, and he certainly hasn't shown it in this campaign. Whatever you're worried about, be it the vice presidents or the age or whatever, just note that at the end of the day, these two people are going to run for president, and one of them is going to win. So do you want the selfish one to win, where you know he doesn't care about you, or do you want the one who's selfless to win, where you know all he's ever done is try to serve you? That's what I would say. How about that? Two minutes go. Well, Ryan, thank you for giving me the time. I'm sure plenty of other listeners appreciate the time as well. I'll see you as I'll record the tweet cap with you, which will be air this Friday. And then we'll mm-hmm. have a special definitely election edition of it. But besides that, thank you again, Ryan, for the time and uh, giving some nice perspectives. And I'll see you soon. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks, Ryan. And there you have it, folks. That was quite the podcast, wasn't it? I enjoyed getting to know Kevin. I enjoyed hearing him out on why you should go red. And then I enjoyed my conversation with Ryan. And I enjoyed Ryan's points on why you should go blue. And well, having said all that, and the note I want to leave on, I said, I don't want to be another person who for months has thrown down your throat to vote. But even despite that, seeing celebrities get naked, seeing every ad regarding something with politics, at the end of the day, it really is important to vote. It's a special right we have in this country. So many people have made intense sacrifices throughout the years to make it possible. And now this is your chance, everybody. After years years of complaints, years of heartbreak, years of frustration, and years of high emotion. This is your opportunity. This is your chance to truly make a change. Whether you voted already, whether you filled out an absentee ballot, whether you're going to the polls tomorrow. It's important tomorrow, what it's about to happen. You have to vote simple as that as long as you can you have to vote you have to do your duty your civic duty if you especially if you want a change to be made in the name of god do your duty whatever happens we're going to get through it we're going to be stronger we're going to prosper but if you truly want to change and you don't complain about that shit on social media or to your friends or to anyone who listens remember this is your chance to finally have a say and so many times people have been put down and thrown down to because of their attempt to make a change but now you really can and that's what's great about the country we live in and this isn't about nationalism this isn't about how fucked this country is this isn't about how bad everything's got well damn it this is your chance to make a change for it go vote go make a difference 
you can. No matter who you are, no matter where you come from, this is your chance to make a change. You can hide behind your damn computers and keyboards. You can scream at anybody who will listen to you. But at the end of the day, you can make the change you want. You can cast your vote and you have a part. And I get it. The system's flawed. We could go all day about the Electoral College and feeling like you're a little person. No, you're not. You're... As long as you're a citizen of the United States, you have the right to vote and exercise it. And it doesn't matter if I keep preaching it, some celebrity is is naked on the computer, if someone else is telling you to vote Trump or vote Biden or vote Kanye or whatever, at the end of the day, just vote. And don't do a stupid write-in ballot either. Pick the candidate you feel is right for you, that's right for your family, and who will truly do what they can to make a better America. And whatever happens, just remember you made your stance and you voted. And whoever does that will have my ultimate respect and the respect of others. Remember to do the right thing. With that, again, thank you to Ryan and Kevin Schaefer for coming on the podcast today. We will see you on Thursday with a brand new episode. And remember to go out and vote. God bless all of you. God bless America. And you know what? Let's start the change we have been waiting for. That's all I have to say with that. Good night and good luck. Thank you.